Happy Father's Day, everyone. Today we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer, and you might be thinking, well, that doesn't seem to be a great Father's Day text. Well, you don't know everything just yet, and so hopefully by the time this is over, it's going to make sense to you. I, I saw some research recently from Penn State. They have a, um, a journal called Child Development. They did some research. They uh, studied 20 family, uh, 2,200 families, and they sort of asked them about their lives and that sort of thing. And some of the stuff was sort of, uh, you could, uh, predictable, um, that uh, kids spend less and less time as they get older and older with their parents, that is. And um, just sort of typical stuff. But there was this one surprising result as it related to teenagers and their fathers. Re- really interesting to me. Um, the results were that teens need time with dad. The research found that uh, the more time teens spent with their dads, the higher their self-esteem, and the more time uh, teens spent with their dads in a group setting, the better their social skills, which is surprising to me because I don't have very many social skills, so probably I would have been an anomaly, but that's good stuff. The author of the article is a young lady by the name of Anne Crowder, and she writes, teens with involved fathers developed higher general self-worth because their fathers go beyond social expectations to devote attention to them. So congratulations, Dad. Uh, we need you. And today, and, and I know Father's, Day's, Father's Day and Mother's Day are usually, they're interesting holidays because if you had an absentee dad or an abusive father or one who um, just didn't treat you well or or was worse than that, then the notion of fatherhood or, you know, talking about how good fathers can be doesn't resonate. And so today we're going to take the focus kind of off of us. Now, fathers, we're going to be challenged by this. And by the way, this isn't a, I'm going to beat you up, all fathers stink kind of sermon. I've been on the receiving end of those. I don't like those. And so this isn't what this is about. But we're going to look at our Heavenly Father because He's a model. And we're going to see how he treats us and what he does for us. And we're going to hopefully learn, okay, here, here are some expectations for, for me as a dad. And, and if you didn't have a great dad, then I want you to look at this as, okay, you might not have had a great earthly father. You might not have had a present earthly father. But you do have a heavenly father, at least you can. And he loves you and this is how he treats us. And I think this will hopefully help you with that. The other day, um, I was having to change some weather stripping on my garage around my garage doors at, ha- at the house. And Elise, I asked Elise to help me. She's 13, and I like, I like it when she helps, and she was eager to help, and so that always makes it better when they want to spend time with you. And we had the opportunity to use a sawzall, and we had an opportunity to, to use a chop saw and cut some things to, to length, and then we got to nail it up, and we measured, and we... I don't... For me, you know, I was, uh, we were training in, or at least I was telling her, hey, this is how you use these tools. And I, I, I looked back on that, and I can't tell you how really awesome that was for me. I, I felt like there was just this, this real connection for us. And so I appreciated the fact that she wanted to be with me, and I also appreciated the fact that she was willing to learn and try, and she wanted to try some things. And so, Dad, sometimes... I, I honestly knew I could do it better than her, but
but she needed that experience. And so this, this whole idea of spending time with your kids made, made a lot of sense to me. So what are uh, uh, the expectations of a, of a godly father? That, that's the question for the day. Well, the first one is this. A great father makes God a priority. And you'll see Matthew 6, verse 9, the first line of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, when we look at God our Father, He is the perfect model of fatherhood. And in this we're going to see what's reasonable for us to expect of our dads. And, and if you're a father, then understand something. There's no, there should be no higher priority than for you to put God first in your life and in your family's life. To hallow, that's kind of a word we don't use very often. It just simply means to, to reverence. God is different from us. He's holy. He's, he's holy other. He's pure and he's eternal and he's just. And he should be a focus of our lives. If someone were to ask our kids, what's the most important thing in your parents' life? That's a pretty revealing question. You know, I, I know some parents, the most important thing in their life is for uh, their kids to succeed academically or for their kids to succeed uh, athletically or to make enough money to give them things or to entertain them. There, there's a lot of things that can be our focus. And here's the thing. When I hallow, when I reverence God's name in my life, when I put God first in my life, nobody's going to know that more than my kids and my family because they see behind the curtain they see what choices I make and they see what decisions I make and they see where I spend my money and what excites me they see kind of beneath the surface and then the, the next line is your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and that is talking about hey I'm going to let God rule in my life he's going to be the one and even though it goes against conventional wisdom or maybe current thoughts, I'm going to let, as a dad or as a Christian, I'm going to allow God's Word to direct my living and what I do and how I respond to things. I'll give you an example. In, in the Bible it says, do not repay evil for evil. Uh, allow God uh, to uh, have justice. And so... That's not what we see in movies. Rambo never <laughs> allowed you know, evil to, anybody to get away with evil. He always repaid evil for evil. And, and so does Bruce Willis and the guy from Taken. I mean, this is what we see. And so it's very difficult for us to model not, not being vengeful. I read a really interesting account. Stephen Rook is a pastor, and he had a friend who worked at a, a Christian company or for a Christian boss, and he was let go and was owed money and wasn't paid. And this man's friends were telling him, you know what, you need to sue. And the guy was like, I'm not going to sue. It's a fellow Christian. The Bible tells me I'm not supposed to sue another Christian. That doesn't look good for the kingdom of God. He had a, a pretty high standard, actually. And so he sat down and he sent an email. And in the email, he explained how not paying him was dishonoring to God and how it was affecting his family negatively. And then at the end of the letter, at the end of the email, he, he simply said, it's your choice. I'm not going to pursue this any further. It was a beautiful way. Hey, here's my grievance. 
If you choose to not respond, then I'm going to live with that consequence. And within a week, the man sent the money he owed him. His boss sent him the money, mostly because he handled it well. But here's what I believe about that situation. I suspect that uh, his family knew about it. I suspect they had heard about this. They saw their dad do the right thing, even though he was being counseled by others to do it differently. He listened and he was obedient to the word of God. So number one, we have to make God a priority. Number two, a, a great father provides for his kids. And the next line of the Lord's Prayer is, Give us today our daily bread. It's a father's job to provide. And this tells me that I can expect God to provide for me. And I pray for God's provision. And when God provides, I thank him for it. Well, let's look at it a little further, a different text. Uh, Jesus said, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Fathers are providers. Our heavenly Father, again, he is the perfect model of, for us. And this is one of the aspects of, of fathering I like most, but it's also one of the most discouraging at times. Uh, I love to provide for my kids, and I, can, I hate it when I can't give them everything I want to. It, it, it's a blessing and a curse in a way. But Paul was very clear. Paul was an author of much of the New Testament, and, and he was very clear on the expectation of those of us who are leaders to provide. In fact, he said, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If you want to encourage your father today on Father's Day, if he was present and if he provided, now again, he might not have been perfect, and I get that. There are no perfect earthly fathers. But I can tell you as a dad, nothing warms my heart more than when one of my girls says, Oh, thank you, Daddy. Thank you. There's just <laughs> nothing makes me happier. I, it just, it's, it's as if, have you ever seen a cup overflow? That's how my heart feels when my girls appreciate something. Yeah. Truth is, there's a tendency among men to measure our worth and identity by how much we provide. And I think that's why when it says, give us today our daily bread, there's, it, it is sustenance living. It, it is, it's not so, so, so much, but it's, it's good. And that's why the text a minute ago said, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. We have to balance this whole notion of putting God first and also providing for our family. If I'm providing more than I need to for my family, but I'm neglecting my relationship with God, that's a really bad choice. I know men who have, have turned down promotions because it would mean more time away from their kids. And it would have been more pay, yes, but it would have been more time away from their kids, and they just didn't want to do that. That was a sacrifice they weren't willing to make, and I would think that's a pretty godly sacrifice. There's a movie out, it's about the, the birth of Jesus, called The Nativity, it's a great name, isn't it? and it really sort of depicts the journey of Mary and Joseph from, from uh, Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And in the movie, there's this poignant scene where 
Joseph and Mary, are, Mary's riding on a donkey. By the way, that's not in the Bible, but it's, it's likely. So Joseph is leading this donkey, and Mary is riding the donkey. And they come upon some fel- fellow pilgrims who are also heading uh, to Jerusalem. And yet this family's donkey has stopped. In fact, what you see in the scene is their donkey is overwhelmed and overworked and underfed and, and dehydrated and has just stopped. It will not go any further. And it's this revealing scene because you see Joseph's face and, and in, just in his expression you can see he's thinking to himself, that could be my donkey and that could be our situation and I don't want us to end up like that. So the very next scene you see Joseph and Mary and they're by a fire and they're eating dinner and, and what you don't see is Joseph, he, what Mary doesn't see anyway, he kind of hides his food behind his back. And later in that scene, you see Mary asleep and Joseph feeding his portion of the food to his donkey to make sure he's strong enough for the journey. It is this amazing picture, this captivating picture of sacrificial love and providing in manhood. But you know, fathers don't just provide stuff, they also provide their kids with confidence, really interesting story about a guy named Jim Davidson. In 92, he and his friend Mike Price were hiking and actually had hiked to the top of Mount Rainier. That's in Washington, about 14,000, a little over 14,000 feet. On their descent, they were crossing an ice bridge and the bridge broke and they plummeted 400 feet into this ice ravine. Mr. Price died during the fall, 400 feet. And Davidson wrote a book called The Ledge. And somehow during the fall, he was sliding down and and he stopped. He said he was standing on this two-foot kind of snow um, outcropping. And he began to think of his father, the voice of his father. Because Davidson, when he was young, would accompany his father to work situations. In fact, they were dangerous work situations. His dad, would, his dad would put him on steep-pitched roofs to do some painting on houses. They painted electrical towers at great height. His mom would freak out. But Davidson uses an expression. He, he says, my dad had a, almost a reckless confidence in me, telling me I can do this, I can do this. And so he says that as he began his ascent, trying to get out of this crevasse, that he began to think of his dad's voice in his heart, telling him that he could do it. It took him five hours. He didn't have the proper equipment and really had never done anything like this before. All he had going for him, really, was the voice of his father telling him that he could do it. Great fathers not only make God a priority, but they also provide. The third thing they do is they pardon his children. A great father pardons his children and forgive us our debts. Uh, Not a word we use. What I'm really talking about is forgiveness. Sometimes our kids, because they are flawed and because we are all sinful, our children will make mistakes. One of the greatest expressions of love that God gives us is that he forgives us. And one of the greatest expressions we can have with our kids is that we forgive our kids. I mean, God forgave us and it cost him a great deal. It was Jesus had to go to the cross so that we could be forgiven. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. 
I read a really interesting story about an author by the name of Shea Serrano. He had been at work and he was going home and he got off the exit and his car died. And he called his dad and he was trying to explain what happened and his dad couldn't quite figure it out. So he had his car towed home and his dad came to see about his car the next day. Now what's interesting about the story is his dad didn't live nearby. He lived 215 miles away and he didn't come until after he had worked a 10-hour shift driving a bus. So uh, Serrano's dad who had just worked 10 hours got in his car 215 miles he drives, he gets to the house, he goes to the driveway, he says hello to his son, he opens up the hood, he diagnoses the problem within 15 seconds. The kid had run out of gas. He had run out of gas. So his dad had worked a 10-hour shift, driven three hours to get there. Now, here's what's interesting about the story. His dad didn't get angry. His dad didn't yell. He didn't get mad. In fact, Serrano tells the story that his father simply had dinner with him, went and got him some gas and filled up his car, got in his car, and went home. And one of the most remarkable things that he says is his dad, this is nine years after the fact when he's talking about it, his dad never brought it up one time. Now, I don't know about you, but that is, that is quite the level of forgiveness Every kid occasionally needs correction, and I get that. But we also need to, be, uh, we need to be generous with our forgiveness because we ourselves have been greatly forgiven. I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've gotten angry with my children and I've needed them to forgive me. Even my kids have to forgive me sometimes. There's a guy named Bill White. He's a pastor. He was talking about a time he had, he was left alone. His wife had gone um, shopping or out with the girls or something. So he was left alone with his two kids. One of them is five, his little son Timmy, and his daughter, uh, a little bit younger. And they were kind of restless, and they were eager for supper. And he was cooking supper, but it wasn't coming fast enough. So he made them some hot chocolate. And he sits them at the table. And Timmy, you know, has little marshmallows to put in the hot chocolate. But rather than put him in the hot chocolate, he throws them at his sister which causes his sister to react, and she knocks over her hot chocolate, and she spills it on herself. So she's crying, and he's crying, and the doorbell rings, and his phone rings, and it all happens at once, and he manages somehow to answer his phone and take care of that situation, and the door and take care of that situation. But by the time he came back to the table, he was exceedingly uh, frustrated. And every dad has these scenes where they are extremely frustrated. And he, he kind of forcefully says, Daddy needs a timeout. And he goes to his room and he sort of, um, we won't call it slams the door, but he loudly closes himself in to his room. And he said, I was trying to gain my own composure. And he said everything changed at about 10, 10 minutes after he had this kind of meltdown. Because under his door, his son slipped a little piece of yellow construction paper. And on the construction paper was a picture and it said, from Timmy to Daddy, I still love you even when you're mad. And God still loves us even when we're mad or petty. God still loves us even when we're selfish. God still loves us even when we're bitter. We can love our kids that way as well. Let forgiveness be part of the way you live life. Again, our kids 
will occasionally need correction, and I'm all for guiding them in the right way. But there's a time and a place for that, and then there's also a time and place to say, you know what, you're forgiven, let's, let's go do something together. The fourth thing is this, a great father protects his children, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you might say, well, how does that protecting? Well, the request is, don't let this temptation be more than I can handle. And the Bible talks about that, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, he promises us that no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common for man. We, we all kind of have the same temptations. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, will pro- he will provide a way for, of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. This is the request. God, I need you to protect me. And we need God to help us at times to, to not get into tempting situations. But as a dad, let's bring it down to the earthly place. As a, a heavenly father, we have a heavenly father who protects us. Well, as an earthly father, I know part of my job as a dad is to protect my wife and my kids. It's kind of one of the most important things that we do is to protect them. And that is just kind of built into us, I think. And it's not just physical protection. It's moral protection. It's spiritual protection. We're to guide our family. And understand something. Not all fatherly advice is equal. Let me give you some negative examples. Uh, Haley Thaxton says that this is her dad's advice. At the airport, my dad would say, put one shoe in each suitcase so if it gets stolen, if one of yours gets stolen, they won't be able to wear your shoes. That's not the greatest advice I've ever heard. Grace Owens says about her dad, When I was younger and playing softball, I told my dad I was afraid of getting hit with the ball when I batted. He said, hang in there, we have great insurance. Mm, not the greatest advice. Leslie Looney says about her dad, My dad used to always tell me not to use my turn signals because it's nobody's business where I'm going. Worst advice ever. That's really horrible advice. Jim Patterson said his dad would tell him, don't feel bad when you strike out. That just means we get home sooner. Now, that's kind of good. That's pretty good advice. And Jeff Campbell says (laughs) his dad dad said, don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff, which is really, that's also quite, quite good advice. Our kids need to learn, need, need to, we need to help our kids. We need to share our wisdom that's born from experience. We've lived longer, we know more, we, we know some things that they don't know. And maybe our teenage daughters don't know what uh, overtly suggestive clothing will do, but we know, and we're not going to let them do that. And maybe our sons don't know what it feels like to work a, how important it is to, to offer an honest day's work, to not skimp and to do our very best. But we know what it's like. And maybe our kids don't understand what it's like to, or, or that how important it is to, to work for something, to, to not just have it given to us. But we know how important it is. You, you respect it. You treat it better if you, have, if you have to work for it. And as fathers, we need to be willing to be unpopular at our our homes at times. We have to say no to some stuff. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say wait. It's okay to discipline. Uh, Don't go crazy. I I heard Wall Street Journal uh, wrote an article one time, and they had a great quote. People want to be lightly governed by strong governments. They want to be 
lightly governed by strong governments. And I think our kids want us to be strong, and they want us to provide, and they want us to protect, but they also want us to govern lightly. In fact, Jesus is the one who said, uh, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So, to be a great father... You've got to make God your number one priority. That, that really is foundational. And then there's an expectation that we are going to provide and we're going to pardon and we're going to protect. And let's repeat it one more time. Every earthly father will fall short of this. Every earthly father, uh, every one of them, will fall short of this standard. But here's what I know, and this is what we're going to end with today. Our Heavenly Father wants to show you what a great father is like. He wants to be your heavenly father. I kind of like the comedian Jim Gaffigan. He has five kids, and sometime, sometime ago, someone asked him, why in the world would you have so many kids? And this is his response, and I just think it's so good. He said, I guess the reason against having more children always seems uninspiring and superficial. What exactly am I missing out on? Money? A few more hours of sleep, a more peaceful meal, more hair. These are nothing compared to what I get. I believe each of my five children has made me a better man. Each one of them has pumped light into my shriveled black heart. I would trade money, sleep, or hair for a smile from one of my children in a heartbeat. For me, being a father has been this opportunity to see through a father's eyes, to to. There is absolutely no way I will ever be able to express to you how I feel about my kids. I, I just can't tell you. There, there's no words. It's impossible. But here's what I know. I die for them. I love them. I'm proud of them. I hurt with them when they hurt. I smile with them when they smile. I rejoice when they rejoice. We just had a wedding uh, last month and... And it was a great time, and, and, and she was so happy. And her, her smile, Mallory's smile, just lit up our, the, the room, every room she was in because she was so happy. And we couldn't help but be a part of that. When they get hurt, we hurt with them. And I believe that God has allowed me to be a father, to show me how he feels about me, about us. Our Heavenly Father, He rejoices when we have success and when we're happy. And He hurts when we're hurting. And He loves us with an inexpressible love. And so, if you've never experienced God's love for you, today's a great day. Fathers, I don't think I told you anything you didn't know already. Yeah, we need to really put God first. Yes, we need to be protectors. Yes, we need to be providers. Yes, we need to be partners. We need to forgive. You didn't, you didn't learn anything today. You just were reminded. These are the way, this is the way God looks at us, who are fathers, and the expectation that he has for us. So I'm going to pray for all of us dads that we would lead well today. Thank you, Father, for all you do for us. We... we uh, are thankful that we have you as our model, as our role model. 
Help us to be men who do these things. Lord, we're going to mess up, so we're going to need you to forgive us. And we, we love that you have a promise in Scripture that says, if we ask, you forgive. Lord, help us to be the very best dads. We live in a tumultuous time. and We're trying to help our kids navigate new things and difficult things. Help us to do it well. We ask it and humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.